Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. You're always going to have problems lifting a body in one piece. Apparently, the best thing to do is cut up a corpse into six pieces and pile it together. And when you got your six pieces, you got to get rid of them because it's no good leaving it in the deep freeze for your mom to discover, now is it? Then I hear the best thing to do is to feed them to pigs. You got to shave the heads of your victims and pull the teeth out for the sake of the piggy's digestion. You could do this afterwards, of course, but you don't want to go sleeping through pig shit, now do you? They will go through bone like butter. You need at least 16 pigs to finish the job in one sitting, so be wary of any man who keeps a pig farm. They will go through a body that weighs 200 pounds in about 8 minutes. That means a single pig can consume 2 pounds of uncooked flesh every 2 minutes. Hence the expression, greedy as a pig. Three Guys in a Flick. This is where we review the good, the bad, and the absurd. Tonight's episode, Snatch. Beware, spoilers. Coming to you from my basement, as always, my name is Don. And to my right, we have our comic book guy, John. What should I do? Drop my pens? And to my left, we have the professor, Ken. Save us from our fires. Hello. She wants a hex, huge roll lights, a stylus ice cream furniture, and scatter room cushions with the rascal shave house cutting. All right. She's a parcel for the very uncle boys. Oh, yeah, for sure, Mickey. Give us one second. Did you understand a single word he said? Not a word. Well done. This will be the first episode that I think we're going to need subtitles. Maybe. Uh, just out of curiosity, have you ever seen this before, John? This is my first time seeing it. Uh, Mr. Professor? I've seen it at least a half dozen times. Okay. I've seen seen this movie a bunch. Uh, When you watched it, did you have the subtitles on? Yes, I did. Smart. We started without the subtitles, and then we got (laughs) about five minutes into it, and the wife said, can we turn on subtitles? (laughs) All I can say is I have been looking forward all week to talking about some Snatch. Oh, I bet you were, you dirty little girl. You bet your bollocks to a barn dance. For anybody who's interested, I will be posting on our website, Three Guys in a Flick, a glossary to some of the terms that are used in this movie. Yeah, so this was your first time watching it. You've seen it about a half a dozen times. Uh, I, for one... uh I love this film when it came out, uh, came out in 2000, Guy Ritchie directed. Um, had you ever seen Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, Guy Ritchie's first movie? Yes, I, I saw it once. What about you? I have not seen it. So I saw this one first because I think I went to the theater and, and saw this one. And then I had to go back and watch Lock, Stock. And then I kind of uh, became a fan of Guy Ritchie's. Uh, I kind of liked the way he shot his movies. He did the Sherlock Holmes movies with yep. Robert Downey Jr., mm-hmm. Uh, and I just recently found out that he did Aladdin, the uh, live remake with Will Smith. Yeah, the, it was his highest grossing movie. Yeah, crazy, huh? Yeah. Going back to Lockstock, I heard that that movie inspired a lot of things in this movie. Would you say that's true? Uh, yeah, it's very, uh, it's kind of in the same vein 
Um, and maybe this is where Edgar Wright got it, but it's in, it's in the same vein as if you watched Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz. Yeah. You know I, what I mean? I would even go as far as uh, one of the things I was reading is that some of the criticism that Guy got about uh, Lockstock, including that some of the uh, accents were so thick they were not understandable, uh, he took that criticism and put it like those things in this movie just to strike back at the critics. Yeah. yeah. So the movie that he did after this? Swept away. Yeah, with Madonna, his with then Madonna. wife. <laughs> Isn't that like one of the biggest flops in history? Uh, I believe it grossed 500000 in America. Really? Uh, then he goes on and does a movie called Revolver. Has anyone seen that? No. Jason Statham. It was more of a mind fuck than anything. It wasn't that fast, fun pace that Logstock, mm. Snatch, and the next Rock and Rolla turned out to be. Uh, did you ever see Rock and Rolla? Mm-mm. That's a good one, too. You should probably check that one out. If you like Snatch, check out uh, Rock and Rolla for sure. And Lockstock. He also did uh, Man from Uncle. He did The Man from Uncle. Never saw it. Was it any good? No. Uh, I, I did not see it, but uh, I heard that it is uh, extremely stylish, which, which is totally in... That's Guy Ritchie's style. That's his wheelhouse. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So we drew Snatch out of a helmet. We want to just thank Jocelyn again for submitting it. Uh, well, we had I've, a lot of fun with it. So how did this do in the box office? Uh, this movie was made for $10 million and it brought in $84 million. So that's not too bad. That's pretty respectable. Yeah. Back in 2000, it came out on August 23rd in the UK and January 19th, 2001 in the US. As we said, it was directed by Guy Ritchie, screenplay by Guy Ritchie, it stars Benicio Del Toro, Dennis Farina, Vinnie Jones, Brad Pitt, Jason Statham, and Stephen Graham. Yeah, unscrupulous boxing promoters, violent bookmakers, a Russian gangster, incompetent amateur robbers, and supposedly Jewish jewelers fight to track down a priceless stolen diamond. What did you think of the casting in this movie? Oh, I thought the casting was great. I like the fact that uh, this was Jason Statham before he became Jason Statham. You know what I mean? Yeah, this before, is at the beginning of his career. Yeah, it's very early on for him, and, and he's funny. Uh, the, I found that this movie was funny and had me laughing. And, and from the opening shot when, um, you know, we first meet Benicio Del Toro's character and just the whole bit that they go through. Um, oh, it was so good. I thought the casting was great. And then enter Brad Pitt. Fucking forget about it. Well, one of the nice things for me was being that this was the first time I saw Snatch. I've seen Jason Statham in a bunch of different movies, all action movies. This is the first time I really got to see him in a non-action movie where he didn't go all martial arts on everybody. It was nice to see him just use his acting chops. Yeah, and what'd you think? He did great, I thought he did great in this. Yeah, 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 yeah. I also liked that, you know, there was a, a lot of kind of big names, some smaller names. It didn't seem like anybody was a standout over anybody else. They all were just fantastic pieces of a puzzle yeah and it all comes down to the writing mm -hmm. right the script and the story uh was was written very smartly and yeah. um guy Ritchie, guy Ritchie nails it with snatch i think this is arguably his best film one of the interesting things i read about the casting is brad pitt was hesitant to do this movie he really really you know wanted to be part of it but he was just coming off a of fight club and then they asked him to basically be a boxer in this movie. He loved the Guy Ritchie script and just really wanted to be part of the project. Yeah. And he comes in and he kind of makes it his own, right? What did you guys think of Mickey? Mickey totally loved him. Right. And oh, he I mean he was amazing in this movie. I <laughs> I kept thinking how is Brad Pitt, the small thin guy, going to be this boxer playing this role doing this strong accent? 
pulled it off. Here's what I like about Brad Pitt. You know, he's this big famous star and, and, and he's, he's larger than life, this, that, and the other. But when he gets into a role, I can think of, of a dozen roles when I look at the uh, screen and I don't say that's Brad Pitt playing blah. You know, I say that's the character. Um, do you ever see Fury? With mm-hmm. him in the tank. Mm-hmm. He's great in that. I think that Brad Pitt is a very strong actor, and he brought Mickey to life in such an awesome way. When he came on board, they did not have a part for him. However, he was Hollywood A-list material. Got a movie star. We got to say yes. And so they wrote a part for him. And after the part got written for him, uh, it wasn't quite working. He just couldn't seem to nail the accent. And because he couldn't nail the accent, oh, hey, I know what to do. And so they went ahead and they gave him that, that Cockney accent, like John was talking about earlier. Yeah, they turned him into a fucking pikey. I hate fucking pikeys. This will get messy. If you could take any of the characters and do a spin-off movie or a sequel movie, is there a particular one that you... I, mean, I could see them making a whole movie centered around Mickey. Oh my God, it's funny that you say that. So here's a list of my favorite characters in this film. Bricktop, Turkish... Mickey and Bullet Tooth Tony. I'd watch a spinoff series probably of any of those characters. Now, so, was that in a particular order or was it just... No, no, those, those are just the names that I wrote What about down. you? Uh, Mickey's obviously was my favorite character. I thought Turkish was great, um, but no, Mickey stole it. Bullet Tooth, though, had some amazing dialogue. <laughs> One of the best intros ever. Mm-hmm. What about you? I totally dug uh, Turkish. Bricktop scared the shit out of me frightening frightening man i i love bullet tooth tony i also really dig uh cousin avi cousin avi you know uh dennis farina yeah you know i i would love to see some of the crazy shit that he could get down on and uh you know also i i kind of like saul as well one more thing i wanted to bring up about casting do you know who they originally wanted to play bricktop Mm-mm. sean connery yeah <laughs> i could see that probably wouldn't have been as good but did you hear the story of his casting? No. They, Please uh, tell oh, it to I me. I did. Did you want to tell it? No, you, no you go ahead. Okay. Uh, basically, they approached him about the movie, but he didn't know anything about it, So, and anything about Guy Ritchie, so he asked to watch Lock, Stock, and Barrel. And after watching it, he said, great movie, you can't afford me. Yeah, well, that doesn't surprise me. Sean Connery seemed to be like a dick as he got older. Maybe even when he was younger, but he kind of always seemed like a dick to me. Like he would be a dick. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Maybe it's just me. I don't know. Get your tongue out of my asshole, Gary. <laughs> that should oh, be a stinger. Bricktop performed by Sean Connery by The Professor. After stealing an 86-carat diamond while dressed as an ultra-Orthodox Jew during a heist in Antwerp, Frankie Fourfingers goes to London to see diamond dealer Doug the Head on behalf of New York jeweler and Jewish-American organized crime figure Cousin Avi. One of the robbers advises Frankie to obtain a gun from his brother, arms dealer and ex-KGB agent Boris the Blade, then later calls Boris and encourages him to steal the diamond from Frankie before he can turn it over to Doug. Meanwhile, Cockney boxer, promoter, and slot machine owner Turkish is persuaded by crime boss Bricktop to put his boxer, Gorgeous George, in a match against one of Bricktop's boxers. However, 
when Turkish sends his partner Tommy and gorgeous George to purchase a caravan from a clan of pikeys, George gets challenged to a fist fight against a bare-knuckle boxing champion, Mickey O'Neill, who beats up and severely injures George. Turkish persuades Mickey to replace George in an upcoming match by agreeing to purchase a new caravan for Mickey's mother. Bricktop grudgingly agrees, but only on the condition that Mickey will throw the fight in the fourth round round we open immediately on turkish and tommy and we're kind of getting a a narration um of you know who these two characters are and and he kind of tells you who they are and or who he is and who tommy is and then jason statham says "Eh, what do i know about diamonds aren't they made in antwerp and then we're introduced to um this opening that is told through monitors. Those eight monitors that are stacked. Yeah, very fun to watch that. I, I thought it was a clever opening, kind of showing them all walking through the different security cameras. Yeah, yeah. And then the story that he tells, if you sit back and uh, listen to it, it's it's kind of funny. And uh, the other the other uh, Orthodox uh, Jewish guys are, you know, telling them, be quiet, we don't want to hear this. Um, but yeah, they get into this uh, jewelry uh, facility and everything kind of goes to shit from there. And then once all hell breaks loose, we are introduced to Guy Ritchie's uh, editing and uh, directing style that he has come to make himself look. In many of his movies, he loves his smash cuts. Yes, absolutely. And I tell you, a smash cut, uh, if done right, will pull you in. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, because, you know, that that little bit with uh, Cousin Avi when he goes back and forth across the pond, that, you know, bam, 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 bam. Yeah, it's an effective way of telling a story and moving us along a little bit. And what's nice, what I kind of enjoyed about this is uh, not only is he, you know, progressing the story with the the robbery of of the jewel, but he's also introducing us to the characters and the jewel keeps passing from character to character to character, giving us a title card of who they are until it comes back to Benicio, who's looking through said diamond, the camera pulls out and now we have our title card, right? Snatch. So I, I like the bit before that. Um, each time that uh, chaos happens, you get uh, you get a tilt of the camera and you get that whoosh sound or or you know he he likes that frenetic sound that he inserts with it and then it it uprights and then uh, it goes slow and then we get a little bit more action and then we get uh, another you know uh, you know like ninety degree spin and then it slows down you get your bearings and then something else happens and you know and you know. Three times he asks, "Where's the stone?" Right, yeah. and each time this happens, you know we are we are having the credits roll, and, and we get those cards, and uh, right in this early sequence, uh, you know, call it, when you get to London, you want a gun, right? And so then we get to see uh, the gun barrel, yeah. right? And then that's also part of our intro as well, and we get to see that happen three times, right. and then finally it locks on Benico del Toro's hand with the revolver. And then right below that says directed by Guy Ritchie and it freezes right there. Yeah. 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 It's, it's so catchy. And <clears throat> the tune that goes along with it, you know, the soundtrack of this movie is uh, great as well. Spot but, on. Yeah. It, it works with the style and it, it, it helps with the story. And yeah, 
Uh, one thing like you were talking about with the smash cuts is I liked how kind of the movie started with kind of this calm walking through all those security cameras and then you get pulled into the chaos of all of a sudden the armed robbery. So you kind of feel that uneasy, you know, it, as you said, Professor, how it kind of shifts in an angle, you get that uneasy feeling. And, and I love movies that, that convey those feelings of what's going on and the, the just the rush and the, the chaos of the whole incident. Yeah. So we are introduced to Benicio Del Toro's Frankie Fourfingers, and he's on his way to the airport. He's going to take uh, the jewel to London because he has some things to do, and then he's going to see Doug the Head. And while he's getting ready, the guys he's pulling the caper off, uh, the Russians, um, uh, you know, says, give my brother a call in Russia or in London. He'll give you a gun, right? Um, so now we are in London. During this intro, we are also introduced to... 12 fucking characters. Oh my gosh. I'm supposed to remember who, wait, who was that? And he's, wait, no, what's it? Oh, wait, no, what? Oh my gosh. I'm supposed to remember any of this? Wow. That is just in your face. Fast, frenetic, busy intro. Bam. Guy Ritchie. You were absolutely right. When they first introduced them all, I'm thinking there's no way in hell I'm going to remember all of these names. But as they talk to each character, they pretty much use their name in every conversation. Oh, yeah. The, so the like dialogue when, was very proper. Like when they talk to Bricktop, they refer to him as Bricktop. Right. So that way that helped the repetition throughout the movie to start by, I think it was halfway, maybe three quarters of the movie, I started figuring, oh, you know, Bullet Tooth, Bricktop, Turkish. All I started getting all of that. I think the first one that was easiest is Tommy because I think they say his name more than anybody in this movie. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, the one thing I want to ask, though, with you liking the soundtrack and how the music flowed, how'd you feel about Lucky Star fitting into all that? Oh, I fucking love this track. That was good. Yeah. It just, it just seemed kind of like, okay, here you have all this kind of you know cool music and everything, and then they throw in Madonna's Lucky Star. They paid $1 million for that Madonna song. And he would go on to marry Madonna, so mm-hmm. talk about foreshadowing. How about that? Guy Ritchie would go on to marry Speaking Madonna. of foreshadowing, that's a great... Uh, Great entry point into, we always talk about different elements in different movies. Oh, that foreshadowed this or that, you know, this was a foreshadow of that action. This whole movie felt like, you know, foreshadow after foreshadow of just different things that were going to happen in the movie. The dog eating the toy, the, you know, the dog wanting to run home, um, you know, Mickey coming in and the one punch, you know, things like that. Just everything seemed like all foreshadows to leading up to what was going to happen at the end. Yeah, I could, I could see, I could see it going that way. So we're introduced to Turkish. They are uh, getting ready for a, a, a boxing match. Uh, Gorgeous George is the fighter. Turkish and Tommy are the promoters. And Turkish wants to, uh, you know, get a new office, which in, a new caravan, a new caravan. So he sends Tommy uh, and Gorgeous to go procure said caravan, and they go to a campsite full of gypsies. Or as they call them in this film, pikeys. I love the introduction to them, especially talking about how nobody can ever understand anything the pikeys say. Uh, and then we're uh, introduced to uh, Mickey. Uh, do you notice that he's taking a shit when uh, they call him out? And he, when he's getting up, he's pulling up his pants. He's totally taking a shit. Yeah. He's having a shite. Yep. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, they go through the... This, that's of the uh, exchange. Oh, just before that, we actually meet Bricktop. Right. Because and a deal is struck. 
Turkish gives us a narration of what type of guy Bricktop is, even though we already know because in the intro we see him, you know, bashing people's teeth in. So we know that he's the gangster of this film. We and we see him fe- and we see him feeding pigs. And then we see him feeding pigs, right? Um, so yeah, there we're introduced. Uh, we're introduced to Bricktop at that point, which which is necessary because of what happens following that when Tommy and Gorgeous George head out to the Pikes. Right. So they buy the caravan. They're starting to pull away, and the caravan loses its wheels. Yeah, the axles left behind. Look, the deal says you bought it like a shot. Fucking so good. And then, uh, you know, they have their little confrontation, and Mickey finally ends up saying, oh, fuck it, I'll fight you for it. And uh, they go into this boxing match, and, you know, Gorgeous George just starts wailing on him. Immediately. Yeah. He just picks him up and throws him into that that fence area and knocks I, it down. I, I love that shot because uh, the, the camera stays parallel with him, and we go down with him, and then, hi, Vars. And, and they, they lift the fence back up and they fling him back into the ring. Well, yeah. Before they, stay until the job's done. The great thing was before they even lift up the fence, when he got thrown in and knocked it down, did you see him start kind of stretching? Yeah, he pull his knees to like, his you know, chest. This is a normal yeah. everyday thing. He's yeah. loosening up. He's yeah. loosening up. Right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that's the kind of fight's going to be. So yeah, he gets up and then just one punches George and then everything slows down. The music starts to slow down, and it's that over-the-head shot. That gradually spins around as we pull back. Right. And it continues to spin right. slowly. And, and then we get Turkish's narration again, talking about how Tommy should be shitting his fucking pants. And the the look on the guy who plays Tommy, uh, or the look on Tommy's face, mm-hmm. is fucking awesome. You have the two pikeys uh, fighting and arguing yelling. in front of each other, yelling, yeah, you know, we're going to kill him, blah, blah, blah. And the line, he says... Um, if Gorgeous doesn't wake up in the next few minutes, they're going to be burying two bodies instead of one, you know? Or, I thought he was dead. Did you think he was dead the first time? You no, I, no, I don't think so. Uh, just, I don't know. I just, I just felt that they wouldn't kill Tommy that quick, right? Oh, uh, and kill Go- I thought Gorgeous was dead. Well, then they would have killed both of them. Yeah, I yeah. don't know. Yeah. Um, and, and then the single tear going down in his yeah. cheek. Tommy, yeah. the tit, praying. If he's not, he fucking should be. <laughs> and then we fade to black. I like the next time that we see Gorgeous, his whole jaw is in a little a brace or something because he broke his jaw. Oh, yeah, it's wired shut. Then uh, then uh, we're introduced to Avi. Frankie talks to Avi in New York. And then from there, Avi is shitting his pants because he's worried about Frankie Fourfingers and his gambling problem. Well, that was what was really clever was the Russian offers to give him the gun as long as he will go make a bet for him, they must have known about his gambling problem because they were going to go and send him off to these bookies. Or do you think they just was a coincidence that they were sending him off not knowing about his gambling problem? Oh, no, they no, they, they very clearly call it out. Um, I'm sure everybody knew about... Uh, do you know why they call him Frankie Fourfingers, Doug? Because he makes stupid bets with dangerous people and when he can't pay up, they give him the chop. And I'm not talking about his foreskin, Doug. So, yeah, uh, Frankie Fourfingers has a reputation for sure, but Avi even goes through it. I mean, he goes, Doug calls Avi and says, you know, we have the diamond, Frankie's got it, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, uh, all right, you done, uh, keep him away from those casinos or the gambling. And and then we get the cut of uh, uh, the still shots in Viva Las Vegas playing over it. I was going to say, right. that was another great uh, film technique that I liked that Guy Ritchie used because you talked about the smash cuts, is that every time they mentioned gambling to... Um, 
four fingers. They basically did that that smash cut of him, photo shots of him with Viva Vegas. Las Vegas. And I just love how they set that up. You know that what goes through his mind every time you say gambling. And I love when he's talking to Avi on the phone when Frankie Four Fingers is talking to Avi. And every time we cut to uh, cousin Avi. There's dialogue, dialogue, and we cut back to Frankie's in a different suit. Oh, yeah, it's a different suit each time. Four different suits that he went through. Yeah, they're so good. I hear you, Avi. I'll see you, Avi. Boris gives Frankie a revolver in exchange for a favor. Frankie is to place a bet on Boris's behalf at Bricktop's Bookies. Avi, knowing Frankie has a gambling addiction, flies to London with his bodyguard, Rosebud, to pick up the diamond personally. Boris hires Vinny and Saul, two small-time crooks, to rob Frankie while he's at the bookies. The robbery goes awry, and Saul, Vinny, and their driver Tyrone are caught on camera, but manage to kidnap Frankie. Instead of throwing the fight, Mickey accidentally knocks his opponent out with a single punch due to his overwhelming power. Infuriated, Bricktop robs Turkish of his life savings and demands that Mickey fight again, and loses since the majority of the gamblers will now bet on him. Mickey refuses to fight unless Turkish buys an even better caravan for his mother. But Turkish has no money left since Bricktop stole his savings. Furious, Bricktop's men vandalized Turkish's gambling arcade and burned down Mickey's mother's caravan while she was asleep in it. Meanwhile, Boris retrieves the diamond and murders Frankie with a pistol. Bricktop tracks down Sol, Vinny, Tyrone, and their friend Bad Boy Lincoln and plans on killing them for robbing his bookies. Soul bargains for their lives by offering Bricktop the stolen diamond and is given 48 hours to retrieve it. So when are we introduced to the dog the first time? Is that on the way it's, to the bookie? It's, no, it's when we first meet uh, Soul and Vinny. Uh, when uh, Bad Boy Lincoln's trying to pawn off his mm-hmm. booty gold. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's Mickey Mouse, mate. It's moissanite. And it's worth fuck all. Um, I guess the dog's name was Bo, and he's a Stafford Bull Terrier. Did you hear he got fired? No. Why? He was fired from the movie. The original dog was fired because in that car scene where they first have him and you know they feed him the do- dog toy and he swallows it, there's a scene where he kind of gets rough with Lenny James in the back seat. He actually bit Lenny James in the crotch. Oh, wow. And didn't cause any significant injury, but he did get fired. Yeah. Well, I mean, shit, you're going to bite people in the crotch. I'd fire you too, mm-hmm. fucking dog. Now, the funny thing is, this isn't the only like injury that Lenny James had. I guess during the scene where they were robbing the bookie area, and he fires the shotgun that goes in the wall, and you see him flinch really bad, the recoil from that uh, shotgun actually hit him in the uh, in the minerals and... That's what it looked like to me. Yeah, and staggered him pretty badly, but he continued yeah. the scene. Yeah. Boris the Blade goes to uh, Tyrone Saul and says, you know, you rob this guy who has four fingers and a briefcase, and you can keep everything else, right? So that's what they're thinking was going to happen. So they All the betting. Right. So they go and uh, stake out the uh, bookies uh, and wait for Frankie to arrive. In the meantime, Turkish and Tommy have to go tell Bricktop that they lost Gorgeous George. And I love Bricktop's, I mean, because he, he's so chilling and frightening, right? What do you mean you lost him? He's uh, not a fucking pair of keys. He's not income fucking spicuous now, is he? Don't worry, you still got your fight. No, I don't. And he goes into the whole explanation. And this whole time I'm watching it, I'm kind of thinking of you, John, because what's Bricktop doing while this is going on? 
Spoken a fucking dog oh, with right, the, right, the right. cane. Why, why do you compare that to me? No, I said I thought of you because you love dogs so much. And I kept thinking, God, if Julie and John are watching this, they're probably going to turn it off right now because of cruelty to dogs. Well, I'm glad you defined that, that, you know, I'm not cruel to dogs or anything. That's the first thing you thought of. Um, I did read. No, that's not what I said at all. Yeah, I did read that that scene was purposely added in because Guy Ritchie read somewhere that uh, people especially hate dog abusers, pet, you know, animal abusers. Oh, yeah, so he sure. wanted to show how bad Bricktop was by showing a few different scenes where he's abusing animals. Yeah, for sure. For I guess sure. Alan Ford is a big advocate for animals. Oh, is he? Animal mm-hmm. rights and such. Yeah. So the fight is going to be changed and uh, it's... Um, Your man it, has to go down in the fourth. Right. So now Turkish is in Bricktop's pocket where he didn't want to be. He's got to owe him, right? So now the fight is fixed and they go and uh, they have to ask Mickey to fight and uh, they bet again, right? Well, no, the funniest thing about when they go and ask Mickey to do the fight is, you know, we, we talked about having to have the subtitles on to understand what different things were saying. Did you, I don't know if it was the same on yours when you viewed it, but when they got to the first part of Mickey talking about what he wanted, the subtitle stopped because even this, it just said garbled nonsense. No, I think mine went all the way through. No, mine, yeah, mine just said garbled nonsense because it couldn't translate oh, that's what funny. he was saying. I'll, mostly what I got out of that was, and the boys want a pair of them shoes. <laughs> <laughs> Because they gone courting. Now, did you get the connection of periwinkle blue? It's a color? It's the same color that Norman Bates dresses his mom in, in Psycho. So some people are saying that it's a connection to show Norman had a connection to his mom, Mickey had a connection to his mom. How on earth could you ever know it was periwinkle blue? Psycho was in black and white. Because I guess they mention in Psycho Blue, or in Psycho, that that's the color of the dress that he picks out for his mom. Uh-huh. Oh, okay then. There you go. There you go. So uh, Guy Ritchie paying a little homage to Alfred Hitchcock, perhaps? Mm-hmm. Perhaps. In the meantime, we have Avi showing up, and he's going down to the fight because he's looking for Frankie Four Fingers because there's gambling, so he's bound to be there. So Avi gets all kind of uh, concerned for his diamond and has to go to London, right? In that smash cut scene that we were talking about mm-hmm. earlier. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, he's in London. And I was thinking, wow, that was really fucking quick, right? But if you take the Concorde from New York to London, it's only two hours and 59 minutes. Mm-hmm. So I guess kind of plausible. Um, but, but I love what he says to Doug when he, as soon as he walks in. Sit down and shut up, you big bald fuck. <laughs> so good. I could quote these lines all night long. But Four Fingers wasn't there because he got knocked out when Tyrone unwittingly backed into the back of the van. Yeah, Tyrone, what have you done? It was a funny angle. Tyrone, when you back up, things are directly behind you, mate. <laughs> I loved uh, when they first introduced Tyrone as the getaway driver and he gets in that car and you hear the, <laughs> the seat all squirming and everything. He's and, trying to get out and then when he finally does get his body out, we have that long, slow leather jacket, you know, slowly exiting the car. Massive. Oi, I thought you said he was a getaway driver. Just what the fuck can he get away from? <laughs> um, so uh, we have the fight now, and uh, Mickey one punches this fucker fucks out everybody. And, yeah, oh, yeah, it just fucks everyone. And um, you know, Bricktop's obviously uh, 
furious and Turkish and Tommy are fearing for their life. And so they go, uh, Turkish wants to leave the country. So he has to go back to his place to get his, um, life savings, life savings. And then he turns out that, uh, Bricktop is there waiting for him. And, you know, he says, uh, all right, you came to empty your safe. So empty it. He gives him his life savings and he says he wants to use the pikey for a fight. And so now we're, and he in, has to go down in the force. And he has to go down. And I like what he says. And I do mean it this time, you know, so matter of fact. And then we get this great little, uh, montage of Mickey, um, not not Mickey, but oh yeah, it is Mickey. It's Mickey and uh, Turkish talking about a bet with the dogs, and at the same time, Tyrone is being hunted down by Blacktop's men. And as we watch the dogs take off after the rabbit, now we're watching Tyrone running away from Bricktop's men. Yeah, and it, it was a it was a nice little back and forth little montage of of having both of these things play out at the same time. Right. Except the yeah. rabbit gets away. Tyrone doesn't. So now Turkish doesn't have the money, and so he's got to go to Bricktop and say... There's no fight. There's no fight, and so Bricktop retaliates, like we said. Then Boris, he's he's now looking for four fingers, and eventually he tracks down uh, uh, Vinny, Saul, and, uh, and he finds them with four fingers. Yes, uh... And, because he has a tea cozy over his head. That's right. Why does he have a tea cozy over his head? So uh, Tyrone accidentally finds Four Fingers because of his accident. And then they take him back to Saul's pawn shop. And that's where, uh, you know, uh, they call Boris the Blade to come over. They talk about it. And then they, uh, the three guys want to renegotiate. They want a better deal. They want half of whatever that diamond's worth. But one of them says Boris's name too loud and Boris can't have that. So he shoots Frankie four fingers right in the head. And then uh, I didn't think uh, Del Toro was going to go out that fast. It didn't surprise me. It didn't surprise me at all, but I I probably didn't think he was either. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, he put the, they put the diamond back in the case and Boris says, open the case. And he goes, well, the only guy with the combination you just shot. And so Boris being Boris, the blade pulls out a big fucking butcher knife and just starts hacking it. uh, Yeesh. Uh, uh, Four fingers arm. The first whack, and then we watch uh, Four Fingers' leg flinch up at the same time <laughs> totally. as the blade goes down. Yeah, and I love that he wraps it in newspaper and carries it out. The I was thinking, why didn't he just cut it at the wrist? That's what I was thinking too. Instead of cutting the whole arm and carrying out the arm like it's a pork chop, maybe it was easier. Are, are a set of bolt cutters cutting the chain? You are in a pawn shop. That doesn't that doesn't sound out of the realm of possibility. Absolutely. Right. We show the scene of Mickey's mom's caravan getting burned down with her inside and Mickey's reaction of just wanting to run in and save her and all that. My first thought was, oh, he's going to fuck some people up. During that scene, uh, the, the score that's going on with it and then the fire and the look on Pitt's face. And, you know, it's a good scene. Yes, yeah. and I like the look right after that, or close to after that, when Turkish is talking to Mickey, and he goes, "I'm sorry." And did you do it? No. What are you sorry for? I I love that interaction. Yeah, yeah. And how silly do I feel asking him to fight while his mom is still smoking right next to me? I gotta I gotta have us go back a little bit 
to what I think is probably the most powerful scene in the movie, which is Bricktop coming into the pawn shop where Saul and uh, and, and Vinny they're trying to they're trying to get rid of four fingers and Bricktop pokes his head in. I hope I'm not interrupting. Hope it's not a bad time. Yeah, that's what it is. And then from there he sits down and he starts talking about taking care of a body. And then the pigs, frightening, only to be amped up that much more when they are taken to the next room and it's all plasticed off and you got a half dozen guys there with their meat aprons on and you got one guy, shing, 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 shing. Well, these guys, these three guys now know what's going to happen after they lose consciousness because it has just been explained to them in detail. Right. Frightening, horrifying. Yeah. And I love when uh, just uh, his pure presence, and we kind of talked about it earlier, and he says, do you know who I am? And I then do. Saul and uh, Vinny are like, no, who the fuck are you? And then, you know, bad boy Lincoln, he looks so meek and just, I mean. Sheepish. Sheepish, yes, yes. And he says, I do. <laughs> The interesting thing is they all have special names. Do you know what Bricktop signifies? That is usually given to a person who has red or orange hair. So that must mean at some point, before his hair went gray, he was a redhead. Oh, interesting. So you feel better for knowing that? No. I feel dumber for knowing that. I have to say, I now feel dumber for knowing that. Thank you. Did you did did either of you have a particular scene that that was like I was just commenting on, I guess maybe in a way this is as you've referred to it in the past, John, as an Oh shit moment. I had a couple of Oh shit moments. My first Oh shit moment was when, uh, first when, uh, they shot four fingers. Cause I, like I said, I did not see that happening so quick. I was like, Oh wow. That actually just happened. The other scene was, uh, Mickey's mom getting burned up. When they said, you know, burn the caravan, I was like, oh, okay, well, they burned her caravan. When they said she was inside, I was like, oh, oh, shit. And then the last scene that I kind of, oh, shitted about, but was laughing, I'm going to talk about a little bit later, so I'm not going to reveal that one yet. All right. Don, did you have any in particular that come to mind? Um, I remember feeling really uneasy when they opened that door and everything's covered in plastic. I mean, that's kind of a real shocker moment for you. You know they're in deep shit, but you just don't know how much deep shit. And then he starts telling the story about how to get rid of the body, and then you're like, okay, this fucker's crazy, and then they see that, right? Also, I think it's every time Brad Pitt threw a punch, you know, uh, from Gorgeous George, and then in that first fight, and then going on to that second fight, you're, you never know. I mean, just one punch and it could be over and you don't know what he's capable of. So I think those punches and um, the plastic room kind of oh shit moments and other moments that, yeah, that we'll get to. So if you were in that situation and they opened up and the guy just told that story and they opened the door and you see the plastic and everything, would you shite your pants? I wouldn't be in that situation. I'm not dumb enough to get myself into that situation. But if you were. But I'm not. Of course I'd shit my pants, wouldn't you? Pretty much. I'd be offering him up anything at that point. Of course you would. I can't even begin to think what I would do. I can't even fathom being in that situation. Totally. No and, you, and, and then you, when the camera pans down and you see Tyrone's face, right? And he has that look on his face like, what the fuck? Right? And that's so. after he had just been chewed on by the dog. Yeah. Yeah. 
Avi and Doug hire Bullet Tooth Tony to help them find Frankie. When the trail leads to Boris, they kidnap him and retrieve the diamond while being closely pursued by Saul, Vinny, and Tyrone. Turkish and Tommy, who are on their way to purchase a gun from Boris, are driving on the same stretch of road at the time. When Tommy throws Turkish's carton of milk out their car window, it splashes over Tony's windscreen, causing him to crash, which accidentally kills Rosebud in the process. Boris escapes from the wreck only to be hit by Tyrone's car. Tony and Avi are confronted by Sol, Vinny, and Tyrone at a pub where Tony realizes that the trio's pistols are replicas, which he contrasts with his real handgun, intimidating them into leaving. The wounded Boris arrives with an assault rifle and a grenade launcher looking for the diamond, but is shot and killed by Tony, who wounds Tyrone at the same time. Saul and Vinny leave a wounded Tyrone and escape with the diamond, which Vinny hides in his pants. When Tony catches up with them, they tell him that the diamond is back at the pawn shop. Once there, they produce the diamond, but is promptly swallowed by the dog that Vinny got from the Pikes. Avi wildly fires at the fleeing dog, accidentally killing Tony. He gives up and returns to New York City. Mickey agrees to fight to avoid more carnage, but gets so drunk after his mother's wake that Turkish fears he may not make it into the fourth round. If he fails to go down as agreed, Bricktop vows that his men will murder Turkish, Tommy, Mickey, and the entire clan of Pikes. What do you think of our introduction of Bullet Tooth? Oh my god, I was going to say, this is probably one of my favorite introductions of any character right uh he's slamming the dude's head in the door repeatedly over and over again then the phone rings and everything the music everything stops and he's all bonjour well even before that didn't we have the flashback of him with the the asian man the asian guy shoots him like seven or eight times that's afterwards the two twins yeah dad you told us yeah dad you told us yeah dad you told us they tell uh their dad doug the head you should call Vinny. And Avi's like, who's Vinny? And then they go into the story, right? And then this whole introduction, right? Do I call you Bullet? Do I call you Tooth? You can call me Susan if it makes you happy. <laughs> uh, I think, uh, like I said, Bullet Tooth is one of my favorite characters in this film. He's he's a really solid character. Yeah, for sure. Not Boris the Blade. Boris the Bullet Dodger. Boris the Sneaky Fucking Russian. Why do they call him the Bullet Dodger? Because he dodges bullets, Avi. <laughs> so, matter of fact. Did you feel like he was playing a similar character to what he played in Gone in 60 Seconds? No. no. Did you? I thought, you know, obviously Gone in 60 Seconds, he didn't have much dialogue until the very end. But he still had that kind of strong gangster type feel, that, that muscle man. Well, that's just who he is. Mm-hmm. He, he, he plays the same role in Lockstock. You could even go so far as to say, I mean, he's been in a bunch of stuff where he plays the big tough guy. That's his shtick. Do you know so, what the connection is between this movie and Gone in 60 Seconds? Brad Pitt and Angelina? No. Uh, Gone in... Well, there's no Brad Pitt and Angelina in Gone in 60 Seconds. Angelina's in Gone in 60 Seconds. She is in it. Uh, but no, in both movies, he had to contemplate cutting up a dog to get what he needed. Oh, that's right, because the, the dog, dog eats the, the keys. keys in Gone in 60 Seconds. Yep. Yeah. It's a guilty pleasure of mine. I mm-hmm. like Gone in 60 Seconds. Now we have Boris showing up at the pawn shop. Is that right? Oh, right, because uh, the twins come on the camera and say, Dad, this guy's selling uh, yes, a diamond. Uh, yes. Right. And then we just cut to the aftermath. 
uh, Rosebud is bleeding. Borges is in that. the trunk. That's so good. What yeah. was that line that they said right after? Like something like, that didn't go as planned? Or Oh, yeah. He, I think that's what Avi says. Uh, that didn't go as planned or something like that. Yeah, because yeah. Rosebud, he was all confident. I'll take care of him. Right, yeah. Oh, you go on, Rosebud. You go do your bad self. Um, yeah, so they put him in the trunk, and this is where we get the you know twist of fate, if you will. Uh, where all of these dozen characters for one brief moment sort of converge on each other yeah they all intersect each other Mm -hmm. and this is you know tommy and turkish are on their way to go talk to boris because uh, because tommy wants a real gun right (laughs) it'd be better if you threw it at him are you saying i can't shoot no tommy i know you can't shoot what i'm saying is you do more damage if you threw it at him (laughs) are you saying it doesn't work did you try it and then he clicks it. I love his face. Yeah. You know, he's like, Ugh. he's anticipating the yeah. bang, right? Yeah. <laughs> so good. So what was better when, when he was trying to test that gun or when the, uh, Saul, the Saul fires the gun in the car and breaks all the windows. What the fuck Solomon? Well, you wanted to hear it. <laughs> all the windows break. Yeah. <laughs> and then after, and, the, and then watching, uh, that whole bit, right. First, first we see, uh, Boris in the middle of the road. We don't know it's Boris, and he goes over the top of the car. This is after the milk hits the window, yeah. right? But but the milk in the window. Ha- we are shown that after Boris gets hit, right? Yeah. And it, it it and then it all comes together, right? I love when Boris gets out and he the way he's walking. He looks like a chicken. He's a chicken. He looks like a fucking chicken. Yeah. Love the way he walks. Oh and then the music that's going along with it. I mean, just fits it so perfectly. And then Tony just casually looks over and goes, Avi. Is that Boris? And then they turn. And then, uh, yeah, he gets hit by the car. So good. And then we come to realize why that happened was because Tommy ended up throwing the milk carton out the window, which goes across their windshield. Fuck me, Tommy. What have you been reading? So uh, Tommy and Turkish show up at uh, Boris's. Boris shows up at the same time, and he turns, and he's uh, Tommy wants to say something, but uh, Boris just grabs him by the balls and takes him in. In the meantime, Avi and Bullet Tooth and the Diamond have to recompose themselves, so they go to the pub, and that's where the uh, Tyrone, Saul, and Vinny uh, uh, follow him into. And I think this has to be one of my favorite scenes: is this bit where they both they come up and just the dialogue between them, right? And did you notice that uh, when Bullet Tooth is at the bar, the three walk in, the bartender goes down, doesn't finish pouring his pint. And then uh, Bulletooth looks at his glass like, a, how, why is it half full? Because he ordered the black stuff, which I guess is Guinness. Yeah. And so he's on the phone with uh, Doug. And then he, at the end of the conversation, he says, and Doug, shoppish. And, you know, hangs up the phone. And then he picks up the glass, looks at it like, what the fuck? And, but he doesn't pay any attention to the three that are right in front of him pointing guns at him. He just sits down like it's no big deal. And then he gives that speech about the dicks and the two guys on the side of you or the balls. And he tilts know. his head just a little bit. Do I know you? And that's where he must have read when he tilted his head to see replica. Yeah. And I think that that bit and he goes and the, and the fact that your gun says replica and then the camera shot and the ch- uh, the smash cut and the sound effects and it uh, pulls back and he says and mine says Desert Eagle 5.0. Boom, 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 boom. Right. And it's, it's such a good scene. I think that's one of my favorite favorite scenes just that whole bit it's just a real quick cut right we watch we watch uh Saul and Vinny's head uh tilt in the same direction as the camera is now tilting and you get the and then and then and then he delivers that line and mine says desert eagle 5.0 and you 
Loves loves his uh, I, his little smash. Cuts. I love how yeah. he kind of ends his little speech with "Now get out of here." Is that what he says, or John? Get the fuck out of here. Is that what he says, John? I don't know what's he say. Now, fuck off. Now, fuck off. <laughs> well, anyway, he does, and they pretty much all just scramble out, but they end up in that little hallway. Yeah, and then Avi comes out with the case, and they're all give me the case, and he's like, "Fuck you, shoot me!" And then Boris walks in and says, "Give me the case," and Avi turns to Boris and says. Fuck you. Too. <laughs> he yeah. says, fuck you too. Yeah, he does. He says, fuck you too. <laughs> and then we have Bullet Tooth overhearing all of this. Avi, pull your socks up. And then he ducks, they fire, blah, blah, blah. Bullet Tooth comes in. Saul and Vinny get the case and they run. And uh, he's going to shoot Tyrone, but then Boris is fuck making some. You. And he starts shooting him over and over that again. That was my next oh shit moment was just the, he shoots him. And you're, Fuck you. you missed. Yeah, I so funny. I love when he says, I uh, show you. Shoots him again. Fuck you. Shoots him again. Almost. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Bull Tooth walks in and he uh, looks down at Avi and goes, Avi, what are you doing? And he looks over at Boris and goes, Boris, what are you doing here? And just, it's so good. And then he goes back and he's going to shoot Tyrone and he's out of bullets. You lucky bastard and then he takes off did you notice and i didn't catch it until really about this scene every time someone dies in this movie it's off camera we never never noticed we never see someone die on camera like even the russian he dies you know they shoot him you hear him but you never see him die i did notice that oh did you how do we get back to uh saul's place right oh so we get saul and Vinny in the car Oh, they're going right. to go give it to Bricktop. And he right. goes, fuck, give me the diamond. I'll go give it to Bricktop. And he goes, uh, and he goes, oh, and he go, he pulls it out of his pants. And Saul goes, what the fuck is it doing down there? And he goes, what if we got mugged? And he goes, who's going to mug two black guys sitting in a car with weapons? And he leans over and he goes, bullet tooth Tony and his friend Desert Eagle 5.0. You see him tap on the window. <laughs> yeah. And so then they get to the pawn shop. And luckily, it so happens that the dog is torn the place up. And it, it's at this point, I'm thinking that dog's going to eat that fucking diamond. It's going down his throat. Fucking for sure. Right. Mm-hmm. I figured mm-hmm. early on in the movie, again, with the foreshadowing, earlier on when he ate that toy, it was a kind of a hint that he was going to eventually eat the diamond. And the fact they keep the dog squeaking. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little he reminder. <laughs> Did you see Saul's face when he eats the the squeaky toe? He can't swallow the whole thing. <laughs> uh, it's just these moments. It's I just, just such love, a good movie. Even after Saul's exercise, you mentioned Professor, he just keeps squeaking throughout the whole yeah. movie because yeah. it's a subtle reminder of what is to eventually come. Of course, he's going to take that diamond. Yeah, and once he swallows that diamond, I love the pandemonium that happens between the four of them. The dog is jumping up out of Vinny's arms, and he's grabbing Saul's jacket. And you've got Avi waving the gun frantically, and bullet. Just the pandemonium of that moment, right? And at first, uh, Vinny even says, "Oh, the dog must eat the diamond." And <laughs> Avi goes, "Tony, I'm getting heartburn. Do something bad." And he's like, "What?" And he goes, "Open the dog up." What do you mean, open the dog up? It's not a can of baked beans. <laughs> The dog actually does eat the diamond, jumps out the window, and Avi grabs the gun and He's starts shooting, shooting crazily. Willy nilly, right? Really nilly. And then he goes, All right, Tony, come on. I love that part. Tony? And then we smash cut to him getting on the Concord, taking his pill, going home. Uh, do you have anything to declare? Yeah. Don't go to England. And that's the last we see of Avi. For a bit. For a bit. Uh, so the diamond is in the dog's tummy, and now we have to. Now it's fight night. But now we also know 
where does the dog always run off to? Oh, they go back to the campsite. So we have to figure this dog is heading back to the campsite. Yeah. So we had Mickey's mom's wake where he just gets completely hammered. And then he has to show up for the fight. Turkish and Tommy have a right to be concerned. They don't know what kind of condition Mickey's in. They're talking about uh, their fucking lives here. And Mickey's got that wicked, that wicked hook. I know. And uh, Bricktop comes in and says, remind him, blah, blah, blah. And uh, Brad Pitt mumbles something and laughs. And I love Bricktop's line. He says, uh, there's a campsite full of pikeys that won't think you're so fucking funny after this, right? I, I liked how in the beginning, Turkish thought that he had to worry that Mickey would even last to the fourth round because he was so drunk and so hungover or whatever. And what do we get in the beginning of the fight? Oh, he almost knocks him out. He again. almost knocks the guy out in the first punch again. Yeah. After arriving to the fight, Mickey makes it to the fourth round when he suddenly knocks out his opponent. Outside the arena, as Tommy, Turkish, and Mickey try to run for their lives, Bricktop and his men are killed by the Pikeys. Mickey secretly bet on himself to win and waited until the fourth round to allow his clansmen time to avenge his mother by ambushing and killing Bricktop and his men. The next morning, Turkish and Tommy find the Pikey campsite deserted as Mickey and the Pikeys have escaped with their winnings. When confronted by the police, they cannot explain why they are there until Vinny's dog suddenly arrives and they claim to be walking it. Sol and Vinny are arrested when the police find Frankie and Tony's body in their car. Turkish and Tommy take the dog to a veterinarian to extract a squeaky toy that it has swallowed and discover the diamond in its stomach. They consult Doug about selling the diamond and he calls Cousin Avi, who returns to London to purchase it. Roll credits. All right, so let's get into this fight. What'd you think? I thought it was uh, edited together beautifully. The smash cuts that are happening, you know, the fast and the slow, the fast and the slow, the fast and the slow, and the driving rock music that was going with it. It, it was just very driven, and, and uh, it, it pushed hard throughout the entire fight sequence. And I thought that it culminated to a wonderful zenith point when we watch Mickey getting the shit hit out of him and he slowly goes horizontal about two three feet above the ring and then he finally goes down and once he hits the mat we are now underwater beautiful yeah and then he comes up knocks him out the camera stops again and then we get turkish's narration and turkish and tommy both of their eyes are closed now we're fucked they leave and i think this is probably Another one of my uh, favorite scenes, uh, this whole bit, because uh, as they're trying to leave, Bricktop comes out, tells his guys to roll down the winner and says, give me the fucking shoot. Uh, you hear a gunshot and everything freezes. But Turkish is telling a, a story in the meantime. He's saying, if you ever you step out under a curb and a car is almost on you, what do you do? You stop and you pull a stupid face. The pikey didn't why and we're freeze-framed and turkish and tommy have a stupid fucking face but brad pitt is fucking focused right he he didn't flinch he says because the pikey had intentions of running the car over you know what i mean and so that's when we go back and uh we're the, back at their site uh, we're back at the campsite they've surrounded bricktop's man and they take them out and then they had already taken out the two guys at the fight uh, in bricktop's car so when bricktop comes they take them out so really all of turkish and tommy's troubles just got wiped away mm -hmm. with bricktop being taken out by mickey and good thing i was thinking good thing they didn't screw mickey over too yeah right because if, if turkish would have done uh mickey wrong yeah, he would have gotten it too, yep. for sure. 
you know. One thing at this point in the movie I've kind of just thought about was everyone in the movie, all the characters in the movie had some action, some part to play, you know, caused something to happen in the movie. They all had some interactions of, you know, whether they were trying to rob people, trying to get the diamond, you know, were killing people all that. Turkish and Tommy just flowed through the movie. Their storyline was just from point A to point B where all the other characters intersected with them. They really had no effect on the outcome of the movie. No, they were just in the right place at the right time. Yeah, and so I was almost like karma that they didn't specifically do anything wrong, but they're the ones who end up winning in the end. And they made all of this happen. None of this, none of this would have happened if Turkish didn't want a new caravan. I mean, it all played out the way it needed to play out. Mm-hmm. Did, did you feel bad for Saul and them getting nope. arrested? Not at all. I, I laughed. So, yeah, uh, they go to the campsite to actually to get Mickey to fight for him again, right? Right. That's what they were hoping for. And then the cops that show up, what are you doing here? And that cop is so deadpan and dry. It, it made me chuckle. And then uh, the dog magically shows up. And then that flute, that flute piece starts playing. Do, 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 do. Right. <laughs> Turkish says, ah, we're walking the dog. And he says, Tommy, go get the dog. And he's, Daisy, Daisy, come here, boy, Daisy. Um, he loves that dog. He had, Quit messing around, Tommy. <laughs> For some reason, you know, up until before this, I didn't think Tommy was going to make it through the whole movie. I never thought of it like that. Me neither. I just, I just, went I just thought he was a character that they added to eventually get killed off. No, I think you overthink things, mm. as per usual. Well, he, he was like a brother to Turkish. Oh, I know. Well, it's one of the things I think I liked about this movie was normally you find these movies being overly predictable. And there was some things that, you know, they foreshadowed, so it was pretty obvious things were going to happen. But there was a lot of unpredictability in this movie that I really enjoyed. So then after the squeaky toy gets out, we are now where we began the movie, in front of the jeweler. Doug Um, the head. Yeah, the head. Mm -hmm. Doug the head, yeah. And again, what do I know about diamonds? So, and, what do you think? Do you know anyone? And then that slow, and then their jump cuts. Right? Uh, he, he, he put, he fixes glasses. He puts the pencil down. He, he goes, I might. Turns around, makes a call, and then it's that same smash cut. And then and when he stamps the passport, it says the end, and that catchy tune plays, and mm-hmm. that was fucking snatch. Now, did you get enough snatch? I can never get enough snatch. I fucking love this movie. I was so happy to. I was so happy when we pulled it out of the hat, and, and it and it'd been a while since I'd seen it. You know, uh, if it's on TV and I'm if and I can find it, I'll fucking stop and watch it. Guy Ritchie said that he had um, found the story more or less by having uh, a group of little stories that he had heard over the years, and then eventually they all of these little pub stories that he had heard over the years, he kind of sort of rolled them all into a collection into what he ended up making the movie out of. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Do you, do you like the uh, subculture of crime as a story arc? Oh, sure. What about you, John? I'm not usually into the gangster big caper type movies, but this one blew me away. I really enjoyed it. There you go. What about you? Do you like them? Um, it's a mixed bag. It, a lot of it has to do with how much I am able to have a protagonist that I, uh, pull for. I, I need to have a protagonist that, that compels me to continue to root for my main character. 
if I can't root for my main character, I, I'm really torn about wanting to continue with it. You talked about, you know, rooting for certain characters. Was it pretty much from the get-go that you rooted for Turkish and Tommy, or were there other characters in this movie that you're specifically rooting for more than any other? Uh, Turkish and Tommy, they were my anchors that, that pulled me through the movie. And they seemed to be on the up and up. They seemed to trying to be legit uh, uh, boxing promoters, right? I get what you're saying about the whole crime uh, subgenre, because sometimes you do get your characters that are the bad guys that... Uh, lesser of two evils i guess if you will mm-hmm. right but in this particular film in snatch uh tommy and turkish were our protagonists uh and bricktop clearly was the antagonist, the antagonist right because mm-hmm. he was a douche i mean he was a fucking killer right no one's rooting for bricktop um and everyone else was just kind of sprinkled in and what they did and how they did it and what their morality was i mean tony's a cold-blooded killer right bullet to tony but you got on his side more right. or less, because he shows a conscience a couple times. And because he shows a conscience a couple times, that is buoyancy for me. Sure, absolutely. Doesn't make him any better or True. worse. True. A killer's a killer, right? I mean, if we're mm-hmm. saying that. But his the the way his character is written and the way it's portrayed, and because of the conscience and because he won't kill the dog, and it's funny about people and animals, but and because he won't kill the dog, you're like, okay, he's he's kind of a good guy. And you can you can really tell that Tony's just really driven by money. You know, he was hired by Doug and he's doing him a favor and blah blah blah. But you know, Tony is no different than Boris the Blade. Tony is no different than Bricktop and his men, really. Um, but he's just more of a likable character. The bumbling burglars, uh, those guys, I felt at certain times I was kind of rooting for them a little bit. Kind of. I I was kind of hoping that they might have like some kind of little happy ending. Sure. Their, their dialogue was catchy and you got to like these characters because they were the way that they were written. The way that they banded with each other. That's what I was saying a little bit earlier. I said kind of, I felt bad when they got arrested at the end with the bodies. Yeah. I, I, I guess because I love uh, Soul sees the dog in Tommy's lap and he nudges over it, uh, Vinny, and their look is like they're incredulous are looks. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. So should we rate this bitch? Hey, let's uh, rate this bitch, Professor. How do we do our ratings? We do our ratings on a scale of one to five fucks. Five fucks is a movie that is cinematic gold. You're ready to, you're, you are down to watch that movie anytime. A one, one fuck, that movie is a movie where you're one and done and you really couldn't care less if you see that movie again or not. Actually, you might even be motivated to not necessarily want to see that movie again because you couldn't even give two fucks to that movie. And what's a zero? A zero is somebody owes you two hours of your life back and fuck you for making me watch that. Uh, which one of you wankers would like to go first? Would you like me to go first since I picked it out of the helmet? I don't give a fuck what you do, comrade. Just go ahead and fucking give us your fucking rating. Uh, first of all, this again, as we put it, this was my first time watching this movie. And I think I even texted you, Don, during this movie in the first five minutes asking, what the hell am I watching? It just seemed so chaotic. And I was so lost with all the names and the action going on that I couldn't figure it out. But then the movie really drew me in that I just couldn't take my eyes off it. And I found myself, you know, laughing at certain scenes. I found myself thinking, Oh, that's a quotable line. That's a quotable line. That's a line I've heard Don say a lot. So obviously Don is into this movie. Um, 
I, you know, the whole thing and how it kind of all fit together. And I kept saying, oh, I can see from here where this movie is going here. I can see where this is going to go here. And it, re- like I said, it really drew me in. I especially loved all the sarcasm coming from Turkish because I bonded with him right away with the sarcasm element of just everything that seemed to come out of his mouth was pure gold sarcasm. So I really enjoyed that. And I, I love sarcastic movies like that. The camera shots blew me away. I loved how they started with the security cameras. I loved how you talked about the smash cuts. Um, Guy Ritchie did a great job of directing and cutting this movie. It, again, it just it, it was just a thrill ride from start to finish just in you know just viewing the movie and the dialogue and the characters the casting was magnificent with you know with uh, Brad Pitt blowing the character Mickey you know out of the water um very believable i i, I just enjoyed all of the characters you know i can't even you know in my mind think about you know i've read about who they wanted to cast for this and that i can't think of a different cast to do this movie um so all of that was enjoyable. You know, I commented earlier again that this was my first time seeing the movie and how, you know, just I had to kind of watch everything and keep everything going that I found myself thinking at the end that maybe I didn't enjoy the movie as much as, you know, other people might. But when I went to start doing my research and started watching clips over and over again, I felt my I found myself just laughing out loud at a lot of the different clips just watching them on YouTube and thinking I really do want to watch this movie again. I want to watch it a second time now that I know when certain lines are coming, now that I know when certain action's coming and how the movie all resolves itself. I want to watch again just to see all certain parts. And I think I'll laugh just as much the second or third or fourth time I watch this movie. So for that reason, just the enjoyability of this movie. And again, it's not a typical movie in my wheelhouse, but just because I enjoyed it so much, I'm going to give it a 4.5. Wow. First time out the gate. Schnikes. 4.5. You know what? I, I'm i proud of you. Well, it's like I said, normally it wouldn't be my typical movie, but just the fact that, you know, today I actually thought about rewatching it. And, you know, when I was watching those clips, I was just belting out the laughter just watching them. And when you and I were talking about some quotes, it just made me smile thinking about the movie. So, I got to give props to this movie, and, and I'm, I'm surprised myself. Get your tongue out of my asshole, Gary. You're not a dog, are you? You want to go, or you want me to go? Uh, you go. Okay. You never say that. That's awesome. All right. <clears throat> I'll go next. Uh, Snatch, directed by Guy Ritchie. I have to say that Guy, I really dig Guy Ritchie's style. Uh, the, the smash cuts, the fast pace, it grabs you, it pulls you in. If you look at his other movies, uh, outside of Revolver and maybe Swept by the Sea, there he has a style, and I definitely dig uh, Guy Ritchie's style. The cast, I don't think you could recast it. I think it is cast absolutely perfect. Uh, you don't have uh, huge stars other than Brad Pitt, but you have actors that go out and they perform, and it's a very English movie, and I dig that, and um, I... Yeah, like I said, I don't I don't think you could recast it at all. Uh, the score, uh, the music fit and it flowed with the music and it helped with the story. And the bit I really dig is when Saul and Vinny get out of the car and then that beat kicks in and they're walking toward the bookies. And it just every every musical piece chosen for this works. Uh, the the wake with the mom, the fights, just all of it. When the dogs running around, it just all works. Um, 
the editing, the cutting, really my favorite part of this film. Uh, it keeps it moving and it's just, it's cut so smartly, you know, and I, I fucking loved it. The story, the story is fun. It made sense from beginning to end. There were some twists here and there, but it all came full circle. And, you know, it was, uh, it was very well written. Pitt, we've talked about it all night. I mean, clearly steals the show. He's very memorable from this and has some of the best lines in the entire film, even though you can't understand them. But, uh, you know, and the boys want a pair of them shoes. Just on and on and on and on. Again, the dialogue was great. It just, it was sharp. It rolled off your tongue. Watching this again last night, I want to go back and I want to watch Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. Or if anybody out there who's listening wants to... Uh, Put in the helmet, lock, stock, and two smoking barrels. We'll be happy to review that. I'm uh, excited to watch that again. So overall, it was smartly directed. It was smartly written. Uh, it was cut absolutely brilliantly, and the score fit fit it like a T. I am going to give Snatch four point seven five fucks. Holy fuck! Yeah, fucking a. Michael, was a stone. That is one of the highest ratings you have given. You, you, you give very, very few high rankings. All right, Professor, you're up. All right. This is probably one of the few Guy Ritchie movies that I think of. Uh, the others, I, I don't really follow all that strongly. Lock, Stock, Two Smoking Barrels, I saw it once, and it was a long time ago. Sherlock Holmes, it's been a long time, and I don't think I saw the sequel, and I never saw Aladdin, but uh, this this is the only one that you know sticks out for me when it comes to Guy Ritchie. His directing style is very, very well done in this movie. His smash cuts are so delightful to watch, even at the very, very end. So when we have Tommy Turkish and, and Doug the Head sitting together at the very, very end, there's even a oh so briefly with him uh, taking his glasses off and and then whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. it's like, wow, that was uh, that was a little Michael Bayish there. But uh, I, I just I, I really dug his style for that. And what it really comes down to is this movie is a lot of that. It is I I feel a movie that is style more seems to be more style driven than story driven. I feel the story is a little lighter and that's not wrong or bad. Having a stylish looking movie, if it tells its story well, okay. And having your characters being uh, strong and interesting characters that adds to it as well. But in the end, ultimately because the story was a little bit lighter and it, and it ended up being more about, you know, these these moments, I, I felt that it wasn't as rich of a story as the two of you uh, enjoy the movie. The music is great. It was so smartly put together. Our characters are very interesting. Bullet Tooth, great character. I, I love I, I love Dennis Farina's cousin Avi. Uh, Alan Ford, Bricktop, like I said, he is one scary motherfucker. He is somebody that just freaks me out every time he's on the screen because he is menacing. I loved Turkish, and I really think that Brad Pitt's character, Mickey, delightful. These 
characters are very interesting and fun to watch on the screen. And certainly, if I could coast into the movie, which I can't, I would have to start the movie. And it is definitely a fun movie to watch. In general, I think that I will give this movie 4.25 fucks. 4.25 from The Professor, 4.5 from The Comic Book Guy, and 4.75 from yours truly. I think it's safe to say that we love Snatch. (laughs) (laughs) Why are you turning red, Professor? It's just a word. Stop it. God. 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 Um, okay, now comes the time in our podcast where we are going to pick our next film out of the Bronco Helmet. Uh, comic book guy you chose last time? So I it must did. be Don's turn. Wait, what did you pick? Did you pick Wolf of Wall Street? Who picked uh, Catch Me If You Can? I did. No, you did. No. You did. No, I was mad at you at that, and I didn't let you pick. Who picked Catch Me? That's what I just said. That's what we just fucking said. See, I'm thinking he does not no, listen. I am thinking out loud. There's a difference. He thinks out loud. You just don't listen. I play on my phone. You fucking fuck. Wankers. Shut up and sit down, you big, bald fuck. The next movie we are going to be watching is from a fan pick. Another movie from our friend of the show, Tatiana. This is... I'm going to take out Diane Corey. Court doesn't go out. She's a brain trapped in the body of a game show hostess. We don't want to see you get hurt. I want to get hurt. So it's Lloyd and um, uh, let's go out. Oh, thanks, but I'm busy. So you're too monumentally busy? Well, not monumentally. Hi, Lloyd Domish. I'm an athlete, so I rarely drink. Kickboxing. You ever heard of kickboxing, sport of the future? I can see by your face, no. My point is you can relax because your daughter will be safe with me for the next seven, eight hours, sir. Hi. Maybe Diane Court really likes Lloyd. If you were Diane Court, would you honestly fall for Lloyd? Yeah. Yeah. future spend as much time possible with diane no really i'm totally and completely serious i'm not sure if i should say you know i just want no, to tell you that we don't have to say how it. do you know what i'm gonna say i don't know what you're gonna say i'm just gonna tell you that thank i love you. you i said it i know i gave her my heart and she gave me a pen Lloyd, man, no baby's worth it, dude. All you gotta do is find a girl who looks just like her and then dump her, man. You guys know so much about women. How come you're here at, like, in Gas and Sip on a Saturday night? No women anywhere. My choice, man. That's yeah, right, man. man. Conscious choice. choice. I'm a guy. I have pride. You're not a guy. No, the world is full of guys. Be a man. In your eyes, the light. John Cusack, Ione Sky, Say Anything. All right, so coming next week, Say Anything. Uh, Thank you again to Tatiana for putting that into the helmet. We look forward to it. Uh, We just want to thank everybody for listening, especially Zach, Ronnie, and Jill. We appreciate it. Hey, John. 
Where can they find us? They can find us at Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, iTunes. They can find us at any of the podcasting hosting sites, including Podbeam, iTunes. Uh, we are on all of them. You can always find us at threeguysinaflick.com, where after the show, we post our show notes, as well as trivia and other information about the movies we just watched. So be sure to check out our site. Um, we'd love to have you visit. If you visit us on any of the podcasting hosting sites, please subscribe so that way we can build our numbers and get the word out. All right. So there you have it. Uh, thanks again one more time to Jocelyn for throwing Snatch into the Bronco helmet. I think we had a lot of fun uh, reviewing it and it was determined that we love snatch all right so that's going to wrap it up for three guys in a flick i'm don i'm john and i'm ken thanks for listening May I make a suggestion? Uh, I don't know. You can sure as try. I don't want to insult the editor. What? Fuck face. Tonight's episode, Snatch. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are so immature. All right. So we are talking about Snatch 2000. Uh, Snatch 2000. <laughs> that sounds like the sequel. <laughs> You know, we got so excited talking about some Snatch that we forgot to tell our listeners why we even uh, decided to get some Snatch. Well, our one of our... Grow up, buddy. Okay, I'm only going to tell you this once. Do you know you said Bulletooth Tony twice? Right, because the first time I said it, it was like I was going to say another oh. name, oh, okay. but I didn't have the name. I know how to fucking talk, dude. Why do you want to stop me and interrupt me all the time? God damn. We just had it. <laughs> no, wait, if you want to tongue my ass, Gary. No. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you want to tongue my ass, it's Gary. <laughs> we're, 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 we're blending. God damn it. Why didn't you stop me sooner? Fuck you guys. I hate you both. Put your fucking phone down and pay attention. Who took the jam out of your donut? You did. You did. You took the jam out of my donut. If you can find like a shorter one, maybe. Oh, is that what I can do? Are you trying to tell me how to edit now? Go ahead. Open your fucking mouth again. Yeah, if you can find a shorter one. Yeah, you can You can go ahead and fuck right off or you can cut this all together yourself. No. How about that fuck face? No. Well, you, you want to get in on it you too? You tell him to sit down and... Sit down, shut up, you big bald fuck. <laughs> all right, fuck off. Good night.